poison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 94. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things that interest us, and sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Andrea. Hello, and happy Friday to you. How's it going? Yeah, absolutely. Happy Friday to you as well. It's going, it is going well. Um, yeah, lots going on this week. It's just the two of us this, uh, you know, we're back I to know, just the two of I us know. here. I know, I know. It's so empty. What are we doing? Just yeah. one, on, one on one. <laughs> we need to be able to dominate the screen ourselves. That's right. Enough of just sharing it. That's right. So. Back where we belong. Yep. <laughs> um, well, we've got, yeah, like I said, a lot of news, movie trailers, talk about that sort of thing. Later, we're going to get spoilery about Raised by Wolves season two, episodes one and two. That'll be later in the show, so... Don't worry about spoilers until then. Before all of that, drinks. Do we have drink specials, drink holidays to celebrate? We don't. It's uh, it's kind of an empty week for anything specific. Um, I checked several different holiday calendars, which should tell you something about, you know, the state of the world that we have multiple, you know, different drink calendars yeah. because we're that excited to celebrate alcohol. Um, yeah. But this week was empty, save for just noting the fact that on February 13th, just two short days from now, it is both Super Bowl Sunday and it is also the holiday known now as Galentine's Day from a show we were talking about earlier containing your doppelganger, Parks and Rec. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I had to slip that in there. But, but, I had to slip that first... in there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll say hello to Mike. He says, celebrate that I am here. Indeed, yeah. you shall. Sounds Cheers. like a good reason to celebrate. Ooh. Oh, revealing the drink. Okay. That's right. Tell Cheers. us what your drink is. And I then, have no uh, idea. Yeah, here's, <laughs> and then explain, explain this Galentine's. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what this is. So, okay. So I have no idea what my drink is. My kind husband made it for me. Uh, and he made it Super Bowl themed. Uh, because, of course, that was one of the, the holidays that we're celebrating. Um, so he mm -hmm. asked me which team I wanted to win. So he colored my drink, the colors of the team that I want to win. And that is, any guesses? So, well, it, if I mean, it depends on the color exactly. I was coming so, across in camera. I'm so hoping it's supposed yellow. to be orange. This is yellow. Ah. Uh, yep. Well then, the Rams and yes, podcast done. I know. Turn it <laughs> over. Done. Okay, so I had <laughs> such a hard time with this. So I, I literally told him three different answers because I was like, I don't really know what I want to happen because I really want the Bengals to win. I like them overall as a team. Like I know you want to support your father-in-law. I want to support my brother-in-law. And then I was just thinking about like. Poor Matthew Stafford and like everything he's been oh, through. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what everybody says. They don't. They don't give I two do. about this team. But then this one person and like, but he was <laughs> this. The Bengals haven't won like ever. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> 
Well, Mike's on my side, it looks like. Technically, the L.A. Rams haven't either, if you really think well, about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> no. I know. I'm stretching like, there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, my sympathies could definitely shift back again. Um, I definitely would not be upset if the Bengals won. I would be very excited. But, yeah, it's so hard. Like, if Matthew Stafford wasn't there, it would have been Bengals all the way. But I hope your drink's poisoned. Okay. Not a fatal poison, <laughs> but like a <laughs> – I'm on the toilet poison now. Uh, how is it? Yeah, how is it? Oh, it's good. It's like nice and spicy. It's. I think it's <laughs> funny. It's like uh, every every year the Super Bowl is the opportunity for me to pretend like I care. Like you care <laughs> about football. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually, this is the year I care the most. Again, it's it's for my father in law, and it's also the year of the tiger. Oh, Come on. so the, how perfect the, would that be then? Yeah. Yeah. So the Bengals like won on my father-in-law's birthday. On his birthday? Go oh my to god. The Super Bowl. Yep. That's and then awesome. it's it's been his team forever and it's mm-hmm. the year of the tiger. The stars well, are then, aligning. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll call this we'll call this orange then. <laughs> Chris is popping his head in here. Hey. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has stained fingers because of me because he was dyeing my uh my garnish. Oh, here we go, my garnish nice. blue. So <laughs> right. nice. Well, I mean, thank Chris for the delicious spicy drink. Yes. Hopefully, he can be Very back good. on the show sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of crazy. There's not really a holiday. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we should make one. There's got to be something we can do. We'll we'll have it like um movie themed cocktail day Ooh, just like all right. let's submit it you know all right whoever yeah so what's this galentine's before i forget I yeah so it, it originated on parks and rec and it was just kind of a i think just kind of a, a funny bit um that uh leslie nope the main character played by amy poehler was doing um because mm-hmm. she had no boyfriend at the time so she was like you know I don't need to celebrate Valentine's Day. What I like to do is celebrate Galentine's Day, which is the day before Valentine's Day. You get together with like all your best lady friends, with your gals, you know, you like go out to brunch, like have some fun, maybe exchange like little small kind of gifty things that are just like, oh, like, you know, our friendship means a lot to me. So, sure, you know here's a little token of something. So it started there and it really kind of just exploded into an actual thing that people were like, okay. yeah, let's, let's bring this into everyday conversation and let's make this a holiday. So now it's kind of a, a, a an official unofficial holiday. Yeah. It's kind of, um, it's kind of, kind of cool, I suppose, because otherwise if you try to do something like that on Valentine's with just your single friends, maybe you don't have many single friends. Right. So right. now you're just going to feel more alone. Exactly. And then like, um, rubbing salt in the wound there. So yeah. now if you have it the day before and it's literally Galentine's day, I mean, it's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I forget what the days are called, but we could do, I wouldn't mind something like they do in Japan where they have two separate days and one, generally speaking, oh, yeah. the man gives a woman a gift and vice versa for one of them. So isn't that like yeah, white day? White day, yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
all the like cute little romantic, you know, slice of life animes that I've that I've watched have involved something, and I think it's White Day. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Well, yes. Cheers. Um, I have a uh, Rind Over Matter uh, Wheat Series Ale all right. from Bells. So just keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband didn't make me a cocktail, so. <laughs> He'll get a talking um, right. to from me, wherever and whoever he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, how's your week been? Good, good. Very, very busy. Um, between work and getting prepared for, I've talked about, you know, I'm doing a show next weekend. Uh, I've got some other kind of personal research and work that I'm doing in the hopper. So I've been terribly, terribly busy. Haven't gotten the, the chance hopper? to watch in the hopper. Um, Hopper now always makes me think of Stranger Things to just, you know, oh, send us okay. off on a wild okay. tangent um, or I'll resist the urge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've, been, so I've been quite busy. Haven't had a chance to kind of watch too many things. Of course, I watched the first couple of episodes of Raised by Wolves. Um, I did watch another episode of Peacemaker. I really do think it's getting good. Like I'm... Okay. They're, they're still, you know, um, some annoying things that I think that are kind of sprinkled in there, but they're really dialing it back. They're definitely dialing it back on the like lewd humor all the time. It's, it's actually getting a little more like substance, substantive. Um, and the humor when it's there isn't always like in the toilet, which I appreciate because that was a very hard, I think slog of an introduction to peacemaker as we've talked about. So, Mm -hmm. Just, just yeah, wanted to throw I, in. I think it's improving quite a bit. Okay, I, um, you know, I have to say that with anime, there's certainly plenty of times where it starts out and you know your protagonist is super obnoxious, it's terrible, mm-hmm. and so it takes some time for that protagonist to grow. And you know, I guess now usually I don't put up with that. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, there's too much to available that i need to like sit through that but i mean it does happen a lot a lot Mm -hmm. of times some great shows really only blossom after a while so Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think peacemaker just took some time to find some footing um but i think you know we were when what we were talking about you know there were a lot of problems with it early on i i wasn't bothered quite as much by those problems um but i think they were very much there Um, And I think it was, you know, legit to talk about the fact that both Peacemaker and the team around him had some really annoying qualities. And, you know, you can kind of have one and you can kind of have the other. But when you have them both, it's really grating because who do you even care about? And I think that was a legitimate point that you brought up for certain. Um, But it's definitely getting better, I would say. Okay. Cool. So. Yep, so watched another episode of Peacemaker and then really throwing it back. Um I started watching over uh the Downton Abbey series. It's on Netflix. Um I watched it I'm rewatching it partially because uh I have to do an English accent for the show I have coming up on Saturday and I wanted you know, just kind of a model that I could realistically go off of where it's Yeah. I mean, it's not too heavy. Um, you know, there's no like wildly outrageous accents. That's all very like soft and normal. 
Um, mm-hmm. but, but higher spoken English, um, you know, higher dialect. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a good show that I can have on in the background cause I've seen it before. So it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, I can just let it like permeate, think about it too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I did realize that, um, fans of the show will know, of course there was a movie follow-up to the series uh, a couple of years back now. I think it was in 2018 or 2019. And then last year they had announced that they were going to be doing another follow-up movie, which was supposed hmm. to be out uh, Christmas 2021, but unfortunately got delayed. So I checked on that because I was wondering about when that new timeline was. Um, and it looks like the new uh, Downton Abbey movie is going to be released in May this year. And they just actually okay. released a trailer for it. So that's oh. out there now. I, okay. Yeah, I just found Theme that too. Um, among the many trailers we've had released this week, yeah. that's also out there. So, Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea of going back for a kind of proper English accent mm-hmm. because it is, is a little more subtle. You know, that older Queen's English is not always quite so crazy. And then it's, um, it's, it's more of the, the, the words used mm-hmm. than the accent itself. So I love mm-hmm. the extra, you know, things that are, I just heard a phrase tonight on, someone live streaming to mm-hmm. Englishman clearly with a heavy accent. And I wish for the life of me, I could remember it, but I've never heard this saying before. I okay. hope it's common in, uh, in England for meaning stoned. It was a, like, um, it was a phrase for saying you're stoned and it was something, something like off my tit. And oh, okay. Yeah, I, feel I, like I, I feel like that's sort of like catching at some, you know, dregs of my memory that yeah. it sounds vaguely familiar. So if we have any residents of the UK out there. Yeah, tell us. Let tell us, us your slang. Because uh, I won't bother to look it up. So you get to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I've been enjoying it. Like I said, it's it's nice to... Have on in the background, just kind of, you know, every once in a while, I'll look up and kind of copy what, you know, a line of dialogue that's being thrown out. So I really think it's about um, not overthinking it too hard because once you start thinking about it, you really start overpronouncing and exaggerating. And that's when it sounds terribly unbelievable. You start so. to become Kevin Costner. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I have, um, I have, ter- I have a run into this issue playing D and D, where mm. every character I want to voice just ends up becoming an English accent. So mm. a lot of times I just don't do a voice because it's like, there's so many people, they're just all going to be English. But I guess it's kind of a way it, so everybody knows for sure it's not me speaking; it's a character right. speaking. So mm-hmm. at least it's that, because everything else. Well, I was definitely trying to add in some other uh, kind of cultures into my D&D that's kind of difficult. Um, and so, I don't know, I struggle with a lot of them other than English, so. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I had to do a play uh, back in college where I did an Australian accent. And it's so similar, but not. But yeah. for the first few weeks of rehearsal, you know, I would get two words out and then I would slip right 
back into an English accent and it's not right. I mean, Mm -hmm. but I, but I couldn't. And then once I would speak in the English accent, I couldn't force myself out of it to get back Mm -hmm. to the Australian. So I'd have to completely stop speak in my normal voice and then restart in the Australian accent. Do you have like, like common phrases that you try to like for different accents to something that, it's kind of familiar in your head, so you can always say that to get yourself yeah. back on track. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm I'm not daring to speak them aloud right now because of, co- because of course, the second I say I do, I'm gonna you know say something and it's completely wrong. Uh-huh. Um, but I do. I I mean, there were definitely, um, especially in those early days of rehearsal, there were like a couple of lines where I would just feel like, got this, I nailed this. So I would mm-hmm. say those over and over. And so I knew I could go back to like that as my baseline for uh, getting back into that accent. Starting to pull right now in the chat. Uh, should Andrea do her accents? Yes or no? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can't do uh, Australian. When I try to do Australian, I move into Southern all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very yep. weird. Another and then, um, sure. and then uh, I can do what I consider a southern accent but it's probably a very offensive <laughs> southern accent so um but i do enjoy that one so well it's it's yeah. difficult doing accents is difficult because you want to make it clear but then when when you put so much effort into trying to make it clear you can lean towards the over exaggeration very quickly and then it just yeah. goes off the rails so well, know that almost no one, wa- likely no one watching your play is going to know whether what you're doing is precisely <laughs> accurate or not. True, true. Likely. Uh, they'll, they'll more notice if I slip out of it, you know. Yes. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to at least get, you know, that baseline of, you know, how I get back into it if I do happen to slip out. So Andrea said a bit too much of a H there. I heard it there. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. Well, either way, good luck for sure. Um, what's this other thing you got? This oh, is is this about thing? aliens traveling to Earth? Uh, I mean, they could be. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so is the book I started last week. It's called Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Um, and it's about uh, a girl who joins a crew um, on a spaceship who whose job is to uh, create wormholes so that oh. um, folks can travel from, you know, different parts of the galaxy back and forth quickly. And they yeah. sort of like, it's, it's, it's nearly this everyday thing that everybody takes for granted, but the actual process of like, quote unquote, digging these wormholes is actually yeah. um, pretty dangerous and tricky. Um, but she's joining this crew. She's kind of running from a past, you know, there's, all sorts of colorful characters that she's meeting on board who are kind of, you know, we're being introduced to as the readers and they're introduced to her and kind of helping her along in her journey. So um, I, I really like it so far. It's been pretty good. Cool. I think the the author does a very good job of world building, even though the world is mostly contained to the ship, you know. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I just get the real feeling of being present and, and yeah. seeing the ship. Um, as a tangent, and I don't expect like the, the perfect answer now, because I think this would require some thought. Oh dear. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What, um, do you think is 
what show or game or, or movie or whatever handles long distance space travel the best? Like who has the best light speed, warp drive, you know, uh, wow. faster than light drive, all that sort of thing. Like what technology seems kind of more realistic yeah. uh, or slash most effective or. Mm-hmm. Boy, that is a great question. I mean, truly. Um, this is a lot of iterations for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of running through. I mean, obviously the first, the first things that are the most popular and most popularly accepted, I think are, you know, the, the, the forms of travel in things like, um, uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. I mean, right. mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're, we're most familiar with. Um, man, I, so this isn't the most realistic, but I always thought that this was the most fun. Um, I used to watch Stargate SG one mm-hmm. and I really loved that sort of like step through the gate travel. I always okay. thought that was yep. really fun and like interesting. Portals. Portals. Just yeah. Like, so you could go someplace very far from a terrestrial right. space to some other one. Yeah. Right. It it didn't always seem to be the most logical, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was never really about the travel anyway. So you didn't really have to like explain how it was yeah. all happening, you know? Yeah. In the, in the way that you do mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, for, for Star Wars, you have to, you know, okay, we're doing the, the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Like, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. how, how do we gauge what that is and how fast that really is? And we're, you know, we're being introduced to this whole concept through other character reactions and, and how, you know, things are presented. But you have to create that. For a Stargate yep. SG-1, you don't. I don't know. I, I always thought that that was kind of fun. Just, yeah. you know, the idea of stepping through the portal kind of a exaggerated stepping through the looking glass kind of, you know, yeah. scenario. No, absolutely. That's kind of like mist. You get books mm-hmm. that are written and you create a and touch it and you're, you're in there. Yep. Um, I, I, I like the kind of deluge of modern take on it where it's about cryo chambers. It's about hibernation. Mm. So sure. it's really not warping much. It's like, no, yeah, this is going to take a lifetime to get where we want, basically, mm-hmm. um, even at whatever speed, you know, uh, that part's irrelevant, kind of. It's about the hibernation element of it, mm-hmm. um, like we see an alien or something. Um, otherwise, the first one I thought of when you bring up how your book and like making it's kind of dangerous and so I, I, I like the idea, um, I think one of the more practical ones is Cowboy Bebop where you're literally yeah. constructing like a gate that yes. you would, you know, so this would be similar to Stargate, I guess, except you need a, you know, theoretically you need a point A and a point B, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, you're in space and you go, th- yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Um, I mean, there's in this book, there's clearly two methods of travel um, because they have, these wormholes that they're creating but then also the way that this girl arrives to the ship is by being in like a stasis pod um okay and that's kind of the the first there's like a like a two paragraph prologue that you know i'm sure is going to be relevant later but has nothing to do with our main character 
Um, and then we're first introduced to her as she's coming out of, you know, this like I, – I can't remember exactly what they call it, but like that version of cryo sleep where she's, yeah. you know, waking up in the pod and the pod is like, oh, we're about to arrive, you know, just hang on a second and we'll be docking, you know. Yep. I realize you're hungry and, you know, you haven't gone to the bathroom, but just hold on. We're almost there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, wormhole is I'd like to know more about how the spice enables it in Dune and what that's like. Yeah. But um, I I definitely the only feasible thing for us is some type of wormhole. That's absolutely mm -hmm. the only feasible thing, because once people realize, oh, light speed, that's great. But then when things are however many light years away. Well, that's you mm -hmm. traveling for like a thousand years at light speed to get there. And so time may slow down or stop for you when you preach approach light speed, mm -hmm. but that time is still going to change when you're, you know, you're not coming back to the right. same people, or whatever, in the same place. So, so yeah, you need a, you need a wormhole for sure. Yep. Everybody gets, get on it. to uh, figure out wormholes. <laughs> Well, I'll read this book and tell you if there's any secrets given away. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, trying to think if I watched any science fiction stuff that I could go off of. I guess well, I, I mentioned Dune. I watched the Dune special yeah. features um, that came on my Blu-ray disc. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I still bought a disc, right? <laughs> um, and Raised by Wolves, of course, as we'll talk about later. Yes. Um, a few different animes. So... Demon Slayer season two, episode 10. I just was like basically shaking watching that. It was so was that the crazy. finale episode? That's this Sunday. Okay. So, so I'm hoping to Sunday. watch it in the morning. Okay. Yep. It's a 45 minute season finale. Um, so yeah, getting excited for that. Um, Toilet Bound Hanukkah Kun is getting better. I wrote episodes two and three. I think I watched another couple or something like that. Um, so that's mm -hmm. that's staying fun. And then um, my dress up darling. I was I didn't talk about this last week, did I? This is new for this week. No, my dress up darling. New. Yeah. OK, so I was going to read the manga and then I saw there's an anime. So maybe Ashley want to watch it with me. So we're watching that. It's um, I like the art of it so far. The premise mm -hmm. is uh, I talked about this a little bit on my uh, Ohio anime morning show if anybody Which tuned you should in. all check out but yeah right um but basically there is a guy that his family runs a traditional doll shop in japan and so mm -hmm. it's you know very intricate dolls and they so they do them all by hand paint the faces do the clothes and all that stuff this kid is it's not a popular hobby for a young boy uh to be working on these dolls i think it's made fun of or whatever as a kid but it's passion of his and so that's what he does he's not good at doing faces but he's good at sewing well hmm. he's a total social out, outcast but in school he ends up meeting someone that is wants to get into cosplay and it's like super mm -hmm. popular but it like really super into this one character mm -hmm. they find out that uh he can sew and well this seems like perfect perfect match mm -hmm. so there we begin our friendship and there's lots of like awkward teenage sex things or whatever sure. um but it's been really funny so far and okay. uh again i like the cute. art a lot yeah yeah it's uh i i had mentioned because there was a news story going around that these 
a number of these dolls have been really selling out now. Oh, um, sure. Because because of the show, more people have been buying the manga and then in turn looking into these dolls, this traditional sure. kind of doll. And so look yep. at that marketing ploy. Yeah, right. Deep there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big uh Hina doll companies are they produce this. Um <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, if they did, so, hats off. I mean, I know, move. right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then a bunch of other manga and stuff, and then uh, watched the UFC from Saturday, and uh, that was a really good fight card setup. So okay, yeah, that's been about my week, uh, along with like absorbing the other news that comes out gaming news and all that kind of thing yeah um boy you found a fun story right before we went live why don't you uh, drop that bomb in, yeah fun in quotes there i'm gonna say um so yeah so j just before we went live i was you know scrolling through the old twitter feed and just found out netflix dropped the bomb that they're dropping all of their marvel content from their streaming services next month. Um, the the story I read didn't have an exact date that it was going to be next month sometime. So I don't know if uh, on Netflix it'll say when you when you go to the show or not when it's leaving. But yeah, watch it all up because it's going to be gone. No word yet on whether or not Disney is going to be offering it on their streaming service or if they're just going to kind of yeah. Put it away because they own the rights, but not, you know, obviously didn't produce the content of those particular shows. Doesn't know. it seem strange? Like, it still seems like a win-win for kind of everyone. Yeah. I guess it mu they must feel like it would hurt Marvel more than it's benefiting them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know for certain that they're not going to offer those shows, you know, on Disney+. Plus. Um, I mean, they certainly seem to be willing to interact with those worlds without you know trying to give too much away as a as a certain character from one series made an yeah. appearance on hawkeye um i don't think i'm giving too much away there um but it's so i mean they're they're willing to like acknowledge it and of course we had that news um that uh they they officially acknowledged charlie cox as daredevil should he make an appearance you know in any future disney properties well, um, not should he even. Charlie Cox teased that this might be the next 10 years of his life. When did he do that? Yeah, this, that was, was this that week too. Was that around the same he, time? <clears throat> or the, oh, no, it was uh, this week. Okay, all right. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't like totally miss it then. Okay. Yeah, so no, he said, next time you, <clears throat> said, next time you see me, that might be the beginning of my next, the next decade of my life. Ooh. So like, I think, you know, which I makes like sense. It. Any of these people that get involved, you kind of mm -hmm. have to expect that if, as long as it goes relatively well, you're going to be right. there for a while. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's gearing up to be involved. So, yeah. So I'm not really sure, you know, with that news, I mean, is, is Disney going to say, you know, people need to know who these people are. So we you know why not offer it or is it just going to be, Forget all that. I mean, we're we're carrying over the character, but we want to introduce them into our universe our way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, take a chance on it. I'd, you know, if you want to see those those properties, I'd watch them now, you know, before mm -hmm. they go away from Netflix because who knows. But I'm going to place my bet that they're just going to go away. The 
my backup would be that if Marvel went to them with a big enough check, they will move them and put them on Hulu. Mm, sure. I mean, it is their kind of sister platform. Yeah, because they're too violent, apparently, for, for what they're doing yeah, on their regular streaming service. So they would move it to Hulu if they but they would have to buy that. And it would be weird to see a Netflix logo. I mean, that can happen, but usually it's just when a company goes out of business. Right. You know, then it tra changes hands like that. Right. But um, or, you know, shows get picked up by different. Uh, yeah. And new stuff platforms. is produced. Exactly. So, yeah. I, But I don't feel that that would be the way that they're going. You know what I mean? And like any new content that they would produce, I don't think would be a continuation. It would be right. something separate. Yeah. So yeah, very, very strange scenario. Not sure what's going to happen. So I would just repeat, watch it now. <laughs> yep. Which is what I'm planning yep. to do. I'm, I'm going to hurry right. up and get my butt moving so I can see everything before it goes. That's exciting. We'll, uh, we'll have, a, we'll have a chat about that when, when you're all done. Yeah, we should. Um, switching, uh, um, feet here, switching gears, gears. That's a better one. Shifting <laughs> gears here to Nintendo, to video games. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I like switching feet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little more in, colloquial. <laughs> it's like in martial arts, you know, switch your stance, switch, you know, switch your switch feet your around. Feet. Like, there you go. Yeah. See, that's, that's a saying from your lived experience there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Nintendo finally had a Nintendo Direct, about a 40 minute one. And like, I don't need to go over everything that was in it. Mm -hmm. Suffice to say, I think most people enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, did you get to see any of it or um, some highlights or anything like that? I did get to see some highlights, but I did not tune in to the, the full um, presentation. So I didn't see everything, I'm sure. Sure. Well, what I will say that I am excited for is one, I cannot believe Nintendo did what I wanted them to do mm -hmm. and thought they should do. They're actually doing it. So a lot of people wanted Mario Kart 9 because mm -hmm. Mario Kart 8 is a very old game. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you have this new online service. People are complaining it's too overpriced. I'm like, it's not going to be overpriced. So they keep adding DLC. They add things to it. Right. You know, they, and so they're adding new Mario Kart tracks. Mm -hmm. There's six waves of eight courses. They're, they're remastering old tracks from previous games and stuff like that. They're going to release them all throughout this year and into 2023. So, um, and if you have the online subscription with the plus pack or whatever that's in there, um, you're good to go. You'll yep. get these. And yeah, this is all I want. This is what I want from Smash too. It's like, again, it's one of those things. Mario Kart 8 is so good, so complete. I know they'll do a nine. That's fine. But just build on this great game you have already. Mm -hmm. Improve your online infrastructure for these new courses. They could even release a double dash mode for it, you know, or something like that. That'd be cool. But but yeah, I am excited about that. Um, to continue sounding like a normie gamer, uh, I'm also very excited about the uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. So it's like basically a new Wii Sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's going to be bowling and sword fighting yeah. and all that sort of thing. Badminton, uh, golf coming this fall. So yep. just both these things. I'm ready for a party, you know, like we're going to 
play all these things. It's going to be great. It so, is. Um, did you see anything else that, I mean, I have a few of things that I'm excited for, but um, I again, did, that. I did see something that I was really excited about, and now I cannot remember what it was. I mean, Kirby looks cool. Kirby looks fun. Um, Portal, for people that haven't played Portal, maybe younger people on Switch that not have been exposed to Portal, there's a Portal Companion Edition. Go ahead and pick that up. That's going to be yeah. awesome. Um, a lot of people are excited for the Chrono Cross remaster. Mario Strikers, kind of, I kind of want to play that actually. Mm -hmm. Soccer, basically. So I'm looking at that was coming out right around your and Chris's birthday. Oh, uh, Chrono Cross remasters April seventh. Yes. Um, but I don't know what else. And then, and then the Switch Sports is April 29th. Yep. But mm. yeah, I thought they had a, a mix for everybody. They had a mm -hmm. lot of JRPGs again in here. Uh, and a lot of stuff they showed, they really did stick to mostly mm -hmm. this year and the first half of this year. Um, so good showing. Oh, I saw Demon Slayer in there too. Yes. I normally don't put any stock in the like other things made into video. It kind of the other, just the same way as like video yeah. games made into movies or whatever. When a show is made into a video game, it's usually just something slapped together. You right. Know? Well, I remember we were, we were talking about that with uh, guardians of the galaxy and how terrible that looked. And then yeah. all that like one in a completely. Yeah. Completely like turned around. So, I mean, maybe. Absolutely. It can, it can definitely not be that way. Like Spider-Man games are great, you know? Yep. So, but it absolutely. is, it is definitely uh, something that gives me pause, you know? It's, yeah. It's either, like you said, either way it goes, you're kind of like, okay. Yep. Well, if you think of what this, this game is that really peaked. Oh, oh, a force unleashed. Yeah. That's what I was like. How fitting that something star Wars related came out near John's birthday. Even though I know you're like <laughs> tired of star Wars right now. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it uh, wasn't that I was like, oh, my God, it's the game. I was just like, oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Well, time is to tell. I said I'm done with Star Wars. Alan said, no way, you'll be back. And uh, I have to back. say, I have to say, I've gotten a lot of peer pressure from Pete to continue watching Bo Book of Boba Fett. Oh, okay. and I have not. So that's kind of OK. I can I can hear all the spoilers and that doesn't matter. It's fine. So there is something um, freeing about not caring anymore. You're just like, yeah, eh, whatever. That's yeah. a spoiler. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the world that a person can spend their time on. And you so you don't have to you, you can be pickier. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, consume yeah, I, everything. I still remember um, how absolutely ripped to shreds I got on social media um, when I posted a spoiler about The Walking Dead. Mm. And I mean, I, this has been a number of years, so I'm not going to like spoil it. Uh, I mean, I will, but I don't think I'm. No one cares so now. Most likely. I hope no one but... cares. It's early Walking Dead. I posted about the character that shared my name, Andrea, dying. Mm. Um, and, you know, just made like a joke about <laughs> it. You know, you know, uh -huh. bye, y'all. Thanks for the memories, blah, blah, blah. And uh, just 
and I didn't even post it the same night. I waited like two days and was like, I think everybody, you know, a fair number of people. The people that care. But well, I wouldn't whoa. know what you're talking about. Yeah, but whoa, man, did I just get <laughs> ripped a new one? And I was uh, like, that's it, happens, it for me. Yeah. I'm never doing anything like that again because clearly mm-hmm. people care a lot and mm-hmm. waiting two days is not enough. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, if I'm worried about something, I avoid social media like the plague yeah. now, yeah. you know, and th- then those are my happiest days anyways. So. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of tells us something a little bit yeah. sadly there. <laughs> uh, I get joy from memes, I guess, but you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So we kind of like veered into talking television territory. Mm-hmm. So we have our first, I don't know if I want to say proper or real look, something more substantive yeah. mm-hmm. um, for the Amazon Lord of the Rings show, uh, Rings of Power, mm-hmm. um, courtesy of Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. We got um, a write-up. We've got, we've had posters the other week. And then from this, a number of screenshots and different cast chairs and stuff like that. Yeah, I believe so, they also, um, sorry, sorry to barge in. I think, uh, I think Vanity Fair also hosted um, whatever Twitter's version of uh, like a podcast is, that like oh, listening okay. thing. Um, they okay. hosted something and had some interviews with uh, production staff. Um, I don't know if any cast were on. I didn't listen long enough to, to okay. know that. But, I mean, they, they were kind of, you know, going over this article and, and getting a little bit more yep. like, let's chat about it. So Sure. We've gotten a lot of content is basically what well, I'm trying this to Well, this is your baby. So mm-hmm. I'll let you uh, take away. What do you, what do you think from the first, first reveal, first meaningful reveal? Ooh, man, I am all over the place on this. Um, I, I was pleased to see, I'll say right off the bat, I was pleased to see that, um, you know, Vanity Fair was going through kind of, you know, the production and, and how these two showrunners who are relatively new, um, in terms of, you know, actually running the show, um, not new to show business, um, are and kind of what their method was and what their approach was. Um, and they did right off the bat say how they had already watched the first three episodes that were already finished. I mean, mostly finished and ready for, you know, production and ready to go. And they were really excited about it. They slipped that in there. It's not, you know, a standalone sentence. It's not like a big announcement. They kind of just threw it in there. And I read it, it was just like, wow, okay. Um, you know, obviously Vanity Fair is going to be giving them glowing reviews. I have no idea if there's any bias there, if there's any, you know, ties of anything to Amazon. I, I would hope not um, so that, you know, I can put real stock and credence into them saying we've watched the first three and it's really good. It's really gripping. Oh, Vanity Fair said that? They've seen yes. the first three? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, not the showrunners. I mean, they've obviously okay. seen everything they've done. Well, so that was what I was confused. I was like, so wait, the showrunners like came on late or something? So yeah. things were already going and then, okay, Oof, I got you. That would, be, that would be rough. I would be terrified if that was the story. Yeah, Replacing right? showrunners midway through. They do talk about re- replacing cast members. Um, They do talk about replacing uh their lead Tolkien Elrond? scholar. Um, oh, yeah, they, yes. 
Yep, who who kind of like blabbed a little bit of secret, nothing terrible, but enough to get him thrown off the property. Um, so yeah, I heard he's been... pretty uh pretty infamous in terms of Tolkien scol- scholars. He's pretty renowned. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so that was obviously a big move, but I mean, they I think wanted to show everybody that if you talk, we're coming for you. I guess, uh, we want to yeah. keep this under a lock and key, and they've done it. I mean, we really haven't seen much of anything other than what Amazon has allowed us to glimpse before. Um, yep. You know, we've known nothing. I mean, the whole casting process was a surprise to us. Well, it sounds like it was a surprise to the actors as well. They didn't even know who they were going to be cast as when they were called in. So, yeah. Ah, I just I was really excited reading this article. Um, it's hard not to feel sucked in, even though I still have my reservations about many things, including, you know, casting actors as, you know, well-known characters, younger selves. I, I really feel like I'm going to have a hard time with it. But by the same token, they also talked about a couple of new characters, um, both from Tolkien's mythology. Um, you know, who we just haven't seen on the screen before because we've been talking about a different age. And then also new characters who are original characters who are going to be part of this. And, I mean, it makes me nervous. Um, you know, I I am certainly someone who has enjoyed exploring much of Tolkien's worlds um, and his world building. Um, original characters are always, you know a wrench and it's, you know, the fly in the ointment. It's God, why, why is this necessary? I'm hoping this series is going to show me why it's necessary, but I can't say that I'm pleased off the bat to hear that they have a couple of them. So is, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems Mm -hmm. like this is based on, a few chapters at the end of the Lord of the Ring or the end of the Return of the King. So like it's about the second age, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of what this is based on is there's not a lot written on it. So it's not particularly precise. Like like a lot of people want to do the Silmarillion because there's yeah. a lot there, but they can't do the Sil- Silmarillion or something like that. And so yeah. they have this, but so- it's kind of a lot to fill in yes, potentially this this is actually pieced somewhat from the silmarillion um because it's it's you know pre lord of the rings um the second age where we're just getting to those histories that tolkien has taken us into of how are we forging the rings of power and so some of that does come from the silmarillion the silmarillion I mean, spans like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, so there's there's absolutely no way that you could um, tackle that book ever as a whole. You would have to take pieces. And even then, Tolkien is just doing a lot of, um, you know, this is how the elves came to be. You know, this is the story of their their first journey, you know, on on Middle-earth and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily like telling stories that would – grip you on the screen anyway (laughs) but some of this does come from those histories because we are seeing um the later parts of the silmarillion in there although not a lot um this also comes from um 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Alan's saying we're going to see the story of Celebrimbor. Um, uh, he's, he's not the shipbuilder, is he? I always worry that I'm confusing him with another C name. There's so many C names. He forged it. Mm. Yeah, he forged the Elven Rings. I think Sindar is the shipwright that I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm getting lost in my own mythology here. Um, but yeah, so pieces of this are coming from the Silmarillion. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, uh, it just seems like to me, the show is starting, it's starting off on the wrong foot. Uh, I think that the hopeful thing is we've got, they're clearly investing a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, I, they, I think they broke down in, I think it was the Vanity Fair article. I forget mm -hmm. what I read in there and what I read elsewhere now, but um, that like in comparison to Wheel of Time um, budget that Amazon also did, this is like a hundred million an episode or something, yeah. mm -hmm. like an insane amount of money. And whereas I think they spent 80 million on all of Wheel of Time season one. So they're, they're going all in for mm -hmm. sure on this. Um, well, and I think I mean, that not all of that money is going to special effects. Like I was reading in the article, no. it's like we're building the actual cities and locations and, you know, mu mm -hmm. much as Peter Jackson did when he built like Hobbiton, you know, he's building up yep. the Shire. They're investing a lot of money there. So they're clearly thinking we're going to be here for a while. So that's another yep. element of gamble to that. Yep. I think so. I should probably should have like put it down into something more specific and precise, mm -hmm. but I think there's three things that I think they're, they're starting off on the wrong, the wrong way here. Cause mm -hmm. so my positive is that they're clearly throwing everything into this. They yeah. clearly are spending a lot of money, so it should be high production value. Mm -hmm. The, where it's going wrong. I think, I think one is they are, they have questionable casting choices that if you look around the internet, people are very mixed about, and that's mm -hmm. both from new, uh, cast members and from, or new characters that are invented and also characters that are known. I think that um, it's it's been like, how do you replace Hugo Weaving, right? I mean, I think that's part of your problem, but you then replace you replace it. <laughs> yeah, it, right, it takes, it, so it's a difficult task to do, but it's still, you're spending all this money. You couldn't get them and you couldn't de-age them. Um, so I think I think that's an issue. So new and uh, new and old casting choices. Mm -hmm. Two, in Vanity Fair and then subsequent articles, they preemptively take the opportunity to um, understand there's going to be backlash and pre-attack people that are going to have that backlash. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I never think that's a good look for a company. Um, you know, have confidence in your product, talk about it, be proud about it, or whatever you don't need to go all the way and like gaslight people that are going to potentially have issues with whatever you're making. Sure. And then the third thing would be the, um, um, shoot. What was my third thing? <laughs> That's why I <laughs> said I should have wrote them down. Um, oh, it's the, uh, the, the time we're dealing with here. Um, they mentioned how the, the vast amount of time that what they're covering is talking about. Mm -hmm. And how so much is going to have to be changed because how do we make a season that covers such an expanse of time and 
make it coherent and make characters you care about and all stuff that you can see them move and flow and some of that, which makes sense, but is again, what should bring people pause, like, well, maybe this isn't right to adapt then into this mm-hmm. because we kind of got that with the foundation on Apple TV plus, whereas I, as a unknown, you know, unknown to the property in was enjoying what I was seeing mostly. Mm-hmm. But when I talked to um, friend Tony that very much loves the book when it first was announced, he's like, well, how are they going to do this? Cause it's not really about any characters It's about the equation it's about humanity and what happens over the stretches of time and how this all can like uh you know and so what do you how are you going to do this mm-hmm. and ultimately when he watches like yeah they couldn't do it <laughs> it didn't yeah. it's so different it's just like not the it's not foundation it's just not so that's what i'm worried about here those are those are my three things i think where they're having problems getting started here and that doesn't mean it's not going to be good but it's not looking good for people that are care about the source content. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, I can't disagree with you on on any of those points. Those are definitely worrisome points for me. Um, you know, I already stated I get nervous anytime an, an original character is introduced into something, especially something so beloved. Um, you're really going to have to justify why that was necessary. And Mm -hmm. I always have a hard time when original characters kind of take over something or become a larger part of something that I, I don't, you know, I don't see them in, um, you know, right away the, the vanity fair article was talking about, um, you know, our, our main girl Gladriel, um, being adrift at sea with, you know, a totally original character like Hallbrand or something who's a man running from his past, which is like the most generic, lame right. description ever. I hate that. So silly. Um, and I and I was just immediately had my hackles up, you know. It's like, mm. who is this guy? Why is he why is he with Galadriel? Like what what importance is he gonna have? Is there gonna be like some shoehorned in loves st- like I was immediately spitting tales in my head about how all these things were going to go how upset I was going to be about them not the best way to approach the series I should give it a chance I will give it a chance um but yeah it's it's not something I as a fan of Lord of the Rings I'm particularly excited about so. yeah I know what you mean because like you know I'm building my D&D world obviously there's all kinds of characters in there but there's like central characters and then there's auxiliary characters and then just like people in the street. And so obviously if you have something that is spans a lot of time and it's not particularly detailed, so you're now going to fill in the detail, you've, you're going to have to invent some new characters. But what seems to happen a lot is the existing characters don't fit the kind of story they want to tell. So then they have to invent new characters that we can relates to or we go on the ride with as opposed to the characters that are actually were actually there you know if you need if you need troops and you need a lieutenant that's just not in the books you can have a lieutenant but it's not about him he's just there and he's a part of it and you have conversations and stuff but you're following someone that is a central character and so often it it's it's like with peacemaker you know okay 
Peacemaker is the central character, but who we get to empathize with and we're getting, we're sh like put in her shoes a little more, or we can relate to, she's the nicer one, is the made up one. Mm -hmm. This is the one that was never there to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so I see that exact kind of thing coming here. Like you say, it's like, we're going to have Elrond, we're going to have Galadriel, we're going to have a lot of familiar characters, but then are they going to be the touchstones of the show? Right. Are they going to be the important driving things in this? You know, and, or are we going to have some other person, you know, in very, in every city that is actually our anchor and then they get to interact with the known characters, mm -hmm. which, which can work, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing to say that it can't, but that's a, that's a seriously delicate line to tread, especially if you say like if we're traveling between different locations and in each location we have the, you know, the new character that we're, you know, who's kind of our audience stand in, they get to yeah. introduce us and they, they, you know, they're our, our stand in to introduce us to the world. I don't want that. You know, I'm, I'm right. willing to overlook, you know, special circumstance here or there. Um, if there's really, if, if there's really no other way to do it, if the writer and if the writers do it well, Sure. But yeah, I don't I don't need a, a whole pack of new characters, especially because what they're already doing, condensing so much action into, you know, this shorter time frame and making things happen all at once. Well, then you have all the stories, you know, you have all the action already. I don't need you to make yeah. up, you know, I mean some of course must be tied together again i'm i'm not willing to or i'm not unwilling to say it can't be at all but if you've already ha if you've already had this discussion of we're going to condense these storylines so we can have you know connected things happen and not have to jump 200 years into the next well then yeah. by god tell those stories yeah and and can't we is it wrong to focus on a more narrow slice of time. Isn't there enough that could happen in a smaller, or is it, is it too grand that we must tell it all? Yeah. Yeah. I, I obviously am, I'm not the showrunner and I don't have the answer to that question, but I mean, I think of like, I think of my D and D world, like sure. my continent has a history. Well, there's, there's different wars and different events that happen. Well, about a hundred years ago, there was a specific war well, why do I have to tell the entire history of the continent in a show, which is going to include characters coming and going because they're not involved in all parts of it? Why can't I tell about this war, sure. this occasion, this coup that took place, you know, and have that be a thing? And then the next season can be a different tale or whatever, you know, or anything. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a tack that they could have taken. You know, there are plenty of shows out there that, um, you know, focus on on different storylines from season to season. I mean, obviously, we have things like Doctor Who, you know. Yep. I mean, that's not in the season necessarily, but they do, like, reinvent the wheel every couple of seasons. Um, certainly could have taken that tack. Obviously, I'm, I'm thinking of things like, um, oh, gosh, Miracle Workers. Which has the same cast, oh, right. but tells wildly yeah. different stories. Yep. Uh, you know, you, you could do some version of that or, you know, kind of scrap it all together and just, you know, entirely new story this time. 
obviously you have things like American Horror Story, where yep. again, you know, you have you have wildly different stories being told between seasons. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure if they've they've just thought it out through one season, you know, or or they're really are gaming it out for however many seasons they hope to have. I'm I'm not sure. But yep. yeah, it's another worrisome thing for sure. Um Oh gosh, what what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so I, I, the other thing I was a little bit worried about after the article um they were talking about Galadriel's role, which I was very happy with because of course I'm very interested. Um mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, it's going to be, you know, after you know, the original um, dark power Melkor has been defeated and Sauron's vanished and it's supposed to be a time of peace, but Galadriel feels like, oh, it's, you know, there's something not right here. I've got to go figure it out. feels like maybe, you know, something's coming up. I was like, wow, that's very Lord of the Rings. And I hope it's in a good way and I hope it's different from Lord of the Rings, the the movie hmm. trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy, you know, because right. there was that sort of like we sense that power is massing and we have to go find out what it is. And I just right. don't really want repeat exploration, yeah. you know, when when we're all talking about um, Star Wars and you know, um, A New Hope and um, oh my gosh, Seven the Force Awakens, Force Awakens. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of. Real, real similar, <laughs> kind of a, yep. a repeat there. I don't want that either. I do. Do I want the feel of the world? Do I want you know to be back into gripping with you know Sauron rising to power and what does that mean? Sure, but do I want it told in a very different way from the original movie trilogy? Absolutely, I do. So right. I don't. Another concerning element that kind of came up for me in reading the article. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't know. I call me uh call me a crazy person, I guess, but I loved inventing my fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I think someone else would too. You could just do that and make something really awesome. Mm-hmm. That you're inspired by Lord of the Rings and then you won't have any of this discussion. None of it. Won't be there. It's so. hard. It's hard because you know, as as a person who loves this so much, you know, you do yearn for more, mm-hmm. but how do you, how do you balance that yearning for more with the very real and tangible fear that someone who is saying, okay, I'm answering the call I'm taking up the challenge. That same person is also going to ruin what's already <laughs> yeah. been done so well. It, it's, it, yeah. you know, there's no perfect answer. It's a rock and a hard place and we'll see where Amazon falls on this. But it's a huge gamble yeah. either way. Yeah. It's brave. It's a huge gamble. Absolutely. We'll see. <laughs> well, we're going to get even more of a look at this uh, coming yep. up soon, it looks like, Super as a teaser trailer Yep, during the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. So um, that's nice. We'll, we'll have one more thing. Yep. I'll be glued. Um, I'll be glued for sure. Which, at least on this one, it seems, it appears so far, that they're not pre-releasing it. Because... <sighs> This is always my thing. It's like, why are you putting all these things out for us to then see it at the suit? You, I have no incentive now. I know. The trailer comes on, I'll go get a snack because I already saw it. Yep. 
Why? You know, do the thing that the announcements on social media during the game, during the game, you know, it's going to be this reveal. Don't drop it three days early. Yeah. Yeah. Show me a like frame. You know what I mean? Show me a still, show me a picture, like get me excited. Like one cool shot to like wet my appetite. Keep me waiting till the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Yep. (laughs) I remember seeing one of the Matrix trailers during the Super Bowl. Mm I was like, yes. Wow. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Yep. uh, So yeah, they ruin all the fun. Speaking of, I think the next one, the DC trailer, which is kind of an odd one because it's just promoting the the year of DC. Uh, So it's promoting all their movies that are coming up in one thing. Didn't wasn't it strange that it was like the year of DC, all our movies, four movies. I don't know. It just it, it, <laughs> that wasn't enough for you, Andrea. It well, it just felt so weird. It felt so like all the movies, all the DC, and then there were only four titles, and I was just like, okay. it was a little strange to phrase it this way. It could have just been okay. like, you know, DC in twenty. You know, you could have just said DC in twenty twenty two, or you know coming coming this next year i don't know it just it felt like they'd oversold something and i was looking for more movies okay okay i that was it was a well-cut ad um it was but again there'll be no surprise because i saw it now so um but yeah still just waiting waiting for batman that's the big one Mm -hmm. so i have to say um, while we're on this subject um i am very excited because The Rock will be making a special Super Bowl appearance. What? Yes, yes, he announced it. He's announcing it. his run for president. <laughs> he could be. During the Super Bowl. <laughs> he could be. Um, that would that would certainly be a surprise, you know. It would be a surprise, Way to, way yep. to keep that under wraps until the Super Bowl. Um, he is going to be making a special appearance, and I believe he said he was going to be bringing a new look at Black Adam. Do I know oh. that that's not related to this trailer i do not you know it's not oh, okay. i obviously don't know if it's he could it's, be like introducing this exactly i don't know or it could be you know something standalone for black adam i don't know i'm trying to find this robert pattinson thing i saw oh is it about the emo um, comics <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> it made it really made me want to like read that whole interview to be like the whole interview. How how was this you know quote in some context? Like is it right. really the way it sounds? Yep. <laughs> uh, so um, I don't know if it's going to be at the Super Bowl or not, but they mm-hmm. dropped a Jurassic World trailer, Jurassic I World Dominion. Yeah. Um, I thought it looked cool, I guess. It's got the it's got the original cast back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Sam Neill is back. Laura Dern's back. That's really fun. Um I find that I liked um the portions of the movie when they're back on the, you know, island far more compelling than running through streets and and having dinosaurs out in the real world. I don't know why there's something about that I, that always feels yes. off. I agree. Just I not, agree. Not I as completely. well done. Cuz it's like The Lost World. I love that movie despite its flaws, but mm-hmm. I kind of like 
whatever by the ending. Yes. Because they're coming into San Diego there and stuff. I just don't don't care anymore. Yeah. So it just doesn't feel it somehow feels like the magic of it is lost. Like the you know, you believe that you're like in a place where dinosaurs exist and somehow yep. seeing them just like on the streets is just like oh. Sure. I, yeah. I I um I I have I love Jurassic Park. Big, mm -hmm. big fan of Jurassic Park. Um, mm -hmm. And I see a lot of good in a lot of them. Uh, Jurassic World is kind of a mixed bag for me. Mm -hmm. But part of the issue that seems to be getting a little more tough to swallow is... So part of the reason I don't like them in a metropolis area or a modern setting is they're not really the same threat. Mm -hmm. when, when you're in the wilderness, you're in their mm -hmm. territory. You are no longer the apex predator when you have like no resources and you're in some place you don't know and it's ra rain's pouring down on you. Then it's an amazing story of man versus nature. Mm -hmm. When you put it in the streets of some place, the the national guard just gets rolled in right. and all the dinosaurs are killed. Right, like it's that's diminished. not the threat is diminished. Yeah. yeah, and so it's unrealistic to have all these. I think they show it in the trailer. They're flying a plane, and for some reason the pterodon is going to attack the plane, rip it apart, and they're going to crash land. It's just, I know they want to sell this idea, kind of, that, and, and Jeff Goldblum states it in, uh, I think his character does in the trailer, or maybe it's Sam Neill, I don't know, but about how we are, um, we're not in control of nature, we're subject to it, basically. Yeah, and, yeah I think that's Jeff Goldblum, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love this idea, and I agree, but not with dinosaurs. <laughs> Because dinosaurs are just creatures, and we've we have tanks and uh, rocket launchers and machine guns and mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of like nerve gas and whatever. They're not a threat. Yeah. If they if you know it's, so it's just it diminishes and and also it diminishes the authenticity of the creatures when they just attack because yes you know it's just like any animal they get freaked out maybe they attack because they're freaked out otherwise they fly away or run away right. or whatever. You know, right. it's not like, well, I'm just going to chomp the neck of every person that comes towards me and then leave them, you right. know. Uh, so I know there is some difference well, with the genetic. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's hunting for sports and, you know, some of the things they do later. But well, and I think that works. But again, when you limit it, you know, yeah. it, I mean, it harkens back to what we were just talking about with Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm fine with original characters when they're limited or, you know, a, a character that stands in for the audience when it's limited again here you have to like limit some of that you can't just like apply it to every creature because then it doesn't feel like a threat anymore it's like everybody right. has it it's whatever it's just commonplace now um so yeah so i mean some of those things just feel the effect feels diminished when you when you use it too often and too liberally yep. um like you said you know a, a majority of these these dinosaurs as animals would be hunting for food, you know, reacting to immediate present threats, you know, um, would, you know, wouldn't just go hunting around just, Oh, you're kind of near me. I kind of yeah. don't like it. Gotcha. Um, mm -hmm. also these animals sometimes seem to be taking on things that are larger than themselves, which yeah, like, like when you were talking about the, the plane sequence, I was just like, really? I don't, I don't feel this. I feel like, you know, they would be taking on maybe like a tiny 
private plane, you know, one of those little puddle hoppery kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, that feels, you know, scary. You don't feel very protected. This plane was like, I don't know. It it was like older, but still sort of somehow military issue kind of thing. Some sort of cargo carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Seemed a little bit sturdier, a little bit bigger, and it just felt unrealistic that this would be happening. So yeah. The pterodons would just fly next to it. They just like form up, you know, probably it wouldn't be like, like... I mean, we were treated to that at the end of, you know, the original Jurassic Park where they're just like cool yeah and that's the the idea we get is you know it's yeah is it more likely but even there there's some you know like okay we're making the monsters but yeah it's much more limited you know and you can imagine some things liking to stalk their prey you know and that kind of thing but i think of the first jurassic world the pterodons get out and they're all just like going and picking up people and all stuff is like are you kidding me they go look for some fish right like avoid all this noise you know right so or they'd you know i mean i don't know like hunt in a pack or something like five of them would you know take like a small person and you know carry them off mate you know what i mean like take the children yeah yeah i mean sadly something yeah yeah um but that's even more plausible than you know i i just remember like the the babysitter chick who who looks after the kids and that and she's just like suddenly carried away by one of them she's a grown-ass adult so what do you do with that person yeah and and then the pterodon just like drops her and you're like, okay, good. Yeah. Ch- I mean, that was for what? Just, that, he just was a malicious animal and wanted to kill, <laughs> kill a person. Right. That's what it is. Wanted so. to feed his buddy in the sea yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Oh, delivery. Yep. Delivery service. Snack. Uber, diner, u- dino Uber. Yeah. Uber yep. Eats. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, no trailer for this yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got one during the Super Bowl or something like that. Sure. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi series mm-hmm. coming soon. It's coming this, uh, this May, end of May. Mm-hmm. So we have a poster revealed for it. It's mm-hmm. about it. So basically dropped after the book of Boba Fett wrapped up. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, kudos on keeping that quiet, I guess. Um, you know, I, yeah. It feels very soon for yet another Star Wars property. Um, I don't know whether to be excited or not, you know, that they've kept this so under wraps. Um, But kudos for doing it because I had no clue. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be very long, so it probably didn't take them too long to film. I think it's been one of the shorter ones. And um, yeah, I'm not going to watch it, so you have to let me know how it is. Sure. But... Um, okay. One desert planet to another potentially <laughs> desert, desolate planet. We're going to raise by wolves. Ooh. Um, as you mentioned in our, in your tweet there, uh, we talked Ridley Scott, everything last week. So that was in the name of this mm-hmm. show coming back for a season two. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get spoilery. Um, Season two, episodes one and two. Now, I know there's a third episode out. We'll just be talking about the first two thus mm-hmm. far. Yeah. Um, I think we both agreed that at the end of season one, things were getting a little Weird. iffy. Yes, mm-hmm. they're getting stranger. Things were happening fast. Like, I'm a little confused here. Mm-hmm. Now, when this started, um, after not long, I was like, I think that I would have been more okay with the end of season one if I had was able to go right into this, 
mm-hmm. because some things started to make more sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, how about you? What do you think of the the opening here, season one, season two here? Yeah, it was it was a little frenetic at first, but like you said, I think if we'd been able to transition into it quicker from season one the end of season one might not have seemed so weird. I think there were still weird elements. I'm still Uh very not convinced about this snake thing. Okay. And what is going on with it. It's still very strange to me. It's all part of Soul's plan, if you ask me. It's the sword that Soul wants you to use for the prophecy. Isn't that the way that uh, religious prophecy goes? I mean, he just like, well, you know, I saw a bird and uh, I <laughs> well, think, that's the way, like, you know, I mean, any prophecy could go, you know, I saw, yeah, right. I saw you know, it's just like we just try or, to yeah. interpret whatever we can, you yeah. know, it was like that our our minds work. The, up. I mean, the episodes do do present a pretty good job of saying, like, you know, really people want to believe. So they make anything into, you know, what they what they want it to because obviously Marcus is is talking about this prophecy and pulls out like a little pen knife that he picks off of mother and he's like yeah. is this the sword and then you know 20 minutes later it's a sword for ants like, <laughs> the home for tiny people <laughs> um and then 20 minutes later the the new woman that he's found um you know is talking about the flying snake thing as the sword so it's like really you know kind of points out the you know, I don't know, very stretchy nature of prophecy and how how it can be molded to fit, you know, yeah. your reality and what you want it to. So, yep. Um. So looking at so yeah, that was, a, that was one, a big jump ahead. Obviously, I was like, no, yeah, two, but I, but I just wanted to overall comment. I feel like the parts with yeah. the the flying snake creature really still do take me out of the show a little bit. I feel like I'm so okay. grounded in in this world and in the relationships that, you know, mother and father are building with the children, now with the collective that we're being introduced to. Um, I really feel that some of the most interesting things are happening at this very granular level. And I, I just get kind of ripped out of those um, whenever we deal with this snake monster yeah. thing. I know I know what you mean because the despite its sort of um high science fiction way in the future technology beyond our you know uh even close to our possibilities mm-hmm. at this point um it feels quite real and they focus on on the characters and dealing with humanity and how um religion works and doesn't work and all this stuff that everything does feel real. So we're, we're, we're about the characters. And so when you do take something, I think one, it does allow for something that's a little more fantastical because yeah. you can feel grounded in so many other ways. I also get what you're saying where it can feel out of place. Um, because for me, like when, um, uh, I can't think of his name right now. New, uh, praise old guy. He is, um, Oh yeah. 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 <sighs> As you read the down the names. guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, when he is, his ship is sinking, then he like kind of grapple shots himself off of it with this like sort of energy grapple. Oh, Marcus. Beam. Yeah, yeah, Marcus. Our, our and so he's like kind of pulling yeah. the ship for a while. Oof, and then he yeah. just like, like 
you know, it's like, okay, I mean, all this other technology, I can see this being possible, but I, I don't know that I bought that happening right there. So that's so funny because I, I had trouble with that too. And it was really just that last portion I bought the the grapple hook. Yeah. That like jump cut where he, you know, is like pulling himself or pulling the ship and therefore pulling himself. I bought and then suddenly, like the ship was too far gone in the acid water, and he just like skip hopped over, yeah, get to the rock, and it really seemed like the ship was a fair distance yet from yeah. any sort of shore. That's terrible. Because yeah. it was like uh, what I imagine is they shot it, and they're like, okay, if we do this and show him flying through the air, essentially, it's gonna look silly. It's kind of like you have to be careful with if you make the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. And you have Wonder Woman running down the street. It can look silly. You yes. got to manage these things. Yes. Um, and so they like, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to show that part. So we'll show how it starts and how it ends. But what it ends up feeling like then is uh, amateur or someone with a lower budget. Because yes. you do it all the time. Ooh, you do it all yes. the time where you start a, mo- a, mo- a motion and then you cut to the other side that is not part of that at all. You can just kind of fall on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it ended up feeling. It felt cheap, you know? Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. And yeah, that's, it's some of these things that I'm so surprised work so well and some that don't. And, you know, obviously this moment didn't work for both of us and I'm still working out. I think the visual effects are great on this snake monster thing. I'm just having a hard time working it into feeling like it fits. Yeah, because, well, it does feel like, where did this come from, really? Mm-hmm. You know, other than, like, inspiration from Geiger that, you know, hey, here's a giant penis coming out of a mouth. Like, <laughs> other than that, like, how does this fit in right. to the aesthetic and what's happening, you know? And so, hopefully, the mystery pays off. That's the thing. The mystery has to pay off of it what does. this giant serpent is. They're they're continuing to delay us and give us little tidbits of information um, you know, now we have a, a bond between it and Campion, um, you know, Campion's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to say like, oh, I feel like it was trying to communicate with me. It obviously tries to right. communicate with mother. Um, so we're getting we're getting something here, but that still doesn't mean I'm convinced of a good payoff because it does often feel so so out in left field. And I don't feel right. that way. Um, about other things that have been introduced that are, you know, creature-like. Um, sure. You know, talking about the collective. Those, like, like dogs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, talking about the collective, the trust, like the the being that is the, the center of the, the collective. That, the AI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's AI, but organic, but it doesn't feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it doesn't belong there. It feels somebody designed something that that feels very part of this world to me and Mm -hmm. i I think it could have been you know the other way i think it could have been designed very oddly um where it would misfit but yeah so it's it's just hard for me i feel Mm -hmm. like i'm dwelling on it a lot but i can't help it because it is the thing that takes me out so often sure well we should talk about the uh the ai about um the trust um because we kind of almost start there and we mm-hmm. get to find out that both mother and this and the trust were both made by campion but the 
original camp. The original OG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, they're like siblings in a way. And mm -hmm. she's familiar with, so she's familiar and uh, mentions the quantum six, like the mm -hmm. unbreak, unfallible quantum six or something like that. Yes. Uh, so that's very interesting. And yeah, they said in the, that. yeah. So where does that come into play? And, and you wrote in your comments about kind of like the Westworld computer. Um, yeah. It definitely is that, right? that sort of thing. Um, that the idea that humans are not in a space. So I, I love this show <laughs> like Westworld because of all these fun questions it brings up. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this idea that if we're atheists and we don't have um, something else to look to for order and guidance, what do we look to? And if we think that at the state that humans are too fallible, doesn't it make sense to create something that is calculating and logical because that's always the, the striving element there. It's, you know, mm -hmm. so it's that battle of, theology versus and faith versus logic mm -hmm. so the ultimate logic machine is literally a logic machine an ai mm -hmm. but how does that end up actually working out for something that is so emotion driven and uh feelings driven and that kind of thing as, as a human is yeah yeah um and i i think one of the interesting things that the show brings up is even the question of how we define atheism um, because, you know, Campion and Paul are talking to each other and, and Paul is saying something and he's like, well, you, you can't understand. You don't believe in anything. And, and sorry, I said, Paul was telling Campion this, I hope uh, in the right order. Um, Paul was saying that to Campion and Campion comes back with, well, no, I'm not an atheist because not, I, do right. believe, I do believe in something. I just don't believe right the same story mm. that you do. And it was very right. interesting because it's like, is atheism really just like the total lack of belief in anything? I mean, that, that seems so illogical, you know, I was having this conversation with some people, uh, last week and it was, you know, it's like the idea of being an atheist is not having a belief in an organized religion. Right. was how they framed it. So that's kind of specific. That's not saying that you, you don't, believe, don't in believe in a higher power or, or you name it, whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's, that, that's really the proper definition. Um, but, you know, to me, that kind of makes sense. Right. And it's what I've, I've thought of, but, you know, this show obviously kind of takes it in a little bit different direction. And you know, the, the characters we're talking about are children. So sometimes children, no matter what age, can have a little bit more simplistic viewpoints and understandings, you know, where we're right. saying like, well, I'm not an atheist because I believe in something could be wrong. But it's an interesting point for the show to bring up as, you know, these are the atheists. Well, what do we think atheist means? What does Campion think it means? How is that going to be problematic? you know, potentially down the line in the show, if Campion learns, well, just because I believe in things doesn't mean I'm not still an atheist or maybe it, maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe it right. can't be classified as an atheist. What I had pointed out to me now was that I 
it's silly i never thought of it mm. every time you say like atheist you're saying atheist yeah <laughs> kind of like contradictory to what it is i mean i understand it's more like asexual yes and you're a you know but it's still uh and from in another because you don't sense. say asexual <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but yes um, it, it it is very funny that that's yeah. kind of the way just grammatically that that works out mm -hmm. um so speaking of campion in this moment might as well use that to, mm. to talk about how um mother is clearly setting up conflict between the two of them going forward um because at first there is a little like probably some sort of weird thing with well this is my mother but she's gonna have another child and then the child's dead he tries to forgive sympathy he's like oh it's, it's fine no worries it's okay um but how she is so set on campion taking the torch from uh the system from the, the we were just talking about yeah the trust when it decides yeah, it took, it took to hand, to hand over what the trust was that that was like the name for the the ai there i thought for, perhaps it was like a an actual trust you know a group mm, of people and right a minute to realize no, no no like this is all ai run. right so I don't know. I think that because yeah. immediately she's like, he's going to run, run it. He's, you know, the perfect atheist society we're going to have here. It's all this like dreamy, wishy-washy stuff yet. Mm -hmm. And then uh, quickly we see like the darker side of it. And then on top of it, uh, camping, proclaiming that he's not an atheist. So mm -hmm. I don't know. thought that was interesting. And um, yeah, mother I mean is. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it, like you said, it clearly sets up conflict, um, not only between Campion and, you know, the other members of her family that she's created here, but also between Campion and the trust, I imagine, yeah. because of course, like we're, we're being thrown hints, uh, subtle and not subtle, that the trust is not going to be giving up its power. You know, that, right. that it's not going to be ever handing the torch off to humans because it, it will never, ironically, trust that, you know, humans yeah. can take care of themselves. Um, so she's she's setting up a lot of conflicts here with her hard push for Campion to take over the collective. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote somewhere at some point, it's like, okay, yeah, when it hands over control, that's, yeah. <laughs> you keep, keep thinking that. Um, yeah. You just know that's not going to happen. And why would it? You know, like a um, a perfect machine that's in, that's calculating things based solely on what mm -hmm. it deems is the, you know, what's the prime directive? You know, if it's to have uh, the least loss of life of members of the collective, well, there could be a lot to that, um, you know, and it's the machine is never going to make the decision that a hero has to at the end of something where it's okay save the person in distress the the love of your life or save the world yeah. and then the hero chooses to save the love of their life and somehow manages to save the world too mm -hmm. the ai is going to choose to save the world mm -hmm. period so it's uh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I had several different thoughts, like, you know, very, very different reactions. Um, I, I love this kind of stuff where, you, you know, you bring up these like hypotheticals, like how would a human respond? How would an AI respond? Um, so, so my first, my first response um, was, you know, about the, the trust ever giving up power. I feel like the first couple of episodes of the show really set up the fact that no one in the current collective is really worthy of giving that power to, right. you know, when, when mother and father and their, their band of children arrive and they're all like, Oh, check out these people. Yeah. And, you know, Sue, these are what we should aspire to be. Yeah. Right. Even Sue is like, well, you know, the people who survived the end of the world aren't exactly the greatest yeah. people. So we're, we're very much introduced right away to the concept that like nobody here is really worthy of taking over for the trust kind of feels like the trust knows that, but is that kind of setting us up for, okay, well only Campion maybe could be that, that person. And how is that going to go? You know, cause since yep. there's nobody else here, we don't have to worry about kind of other contenders. We really just have to worry about the trust versus Campion versus by extension mother. Um, so th that, that was kind of my, my immediate thought. Um, Another thought that I had was, you know, really, we saw this so much in the first season, and now we're really, I feel like, seeing it on an accelerated rate in the first two episodes. Mother and father are changing, and they are becoming yeah. more human and having more pronounced human traits, um, yeah. you know, like guilt and shame, you know, hiding things, lying to themselves, lying to other people you know, yeah. jealousy, blackmail. I mean, so clearly we're seeing that that AI can evolve and they could be, you know, taking on those, those, you know, what we call like hero choices, saving the people they love versus saving the world because they're not so cold and detached. I don't think the trust is ever going to get that, you know, get to that right. level. It doesn't seem capable, perhaps because it doesn't look human. So I don't believe that it, can you know take on human characteristics where sure for mother and father they look like people so it's easier for me to believe that i don't know but it's it's again one of those interesting things that you know westworld explores we're exploring here too what's the line between ai and human how do mm -hmm. we how do we divide and what happens when the lines start to get crossed blended mixed you know yeah, and like so, you say in Westworld they explore this. It, it, it's is this realistic at all? I mean, so obviously the most simple form, machine learning, you know, per the name, learns after repeated trial and error, fed more data, all that stuff like that. And AI is able to to do this as well and learn, but is it going to learn? is it going to learn the value of human emotion? Like, is that something that would be learned by something that doesn't feel because I mean, we feel because, because of chemicals that fire off and go to our brain and make us react in weird ways. Machines don't have that element. Like what is going to propel them to learn to have a more animalistic side of the brain when all they've got is, you know, cerebral 
function. You know, all they've got is calculation. I don't, I just don't know if, if this leap, because it's fun to explore because it makes us talk about humanity. Right. But is it feasible in, at all? Well, yeah. I mean, you raise a very good question. Um, you know, certainly we would have to know more, I think, in this world about AI construction. Perhaps the answer, answer lies in quantum six, whatever that yeah. might be, whatever we could unpack around that mystery. Um, you know, the, the, the show seems to suggest that um, through the, the pregnancy and subsequent birth of snake thing, um, which is some sort of biotech that there's there's some capacity for mixing there. Yeah. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like something stronger. Like Battlestar. Than, yeah, something yeah. stronger than just like we created a humanoid um AI or humanoid service, you know, drone, bot, whatever, machine. Um it seems to suggest that there's a way to to pair those. So I, you know, I think the show makes a very a lot of leaps in that way that suggests that this can be done without explaining precisely the technology, but perhaps mm -hmm. in this season we're going to be getting those explanations. Yeah. I think it's maybe just a thing that's so far it's so well done now. The Zoom audiences like will is the base kind of thing. Yeah. It assume yeah. that that the people are going to go along for this ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got to write something, Andrea, mm -hmm. that more precisely explores right. uh, this. Um, so let's see. Yeah, we've got the, the whole uh, community here. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting how that's set up new system. We see immediately um, how some people are like, yeah, I'm perfectly good taking orders from, from the trust, you know? serving the collective and other people are like aren't you aren't you tired of that you know like did you want to make a decision for yourself for once so then the irony is that <laughs> this person leaves and Ugh. is sold on the religion based on you get to be you and make your own choices which so is, which is hilarious because you don't <laughs> <laughs> well i mean but it it depends for a lot of things, it depends on your religious leader. Now, ultimately, then it's not your choice because your your leader is granting you the ability of the, the exactly. autonomy. But, you know, in this atheist society, living free, living logically, you're also not, you definitely aren't. So the absence of an organized religion based on a higher power is not granting you the freedoms you may have yeah. pursued. Yeah. I, I, what I thought was really funny in the way, um, and fu by funny, I mean, you know, ironic, interesting, you know, a, a little bit, you know, c c giving me a wry chuckle here, um, is pitting these two kind of belief systems and they are belief systems, no matter what mm -hmm. you say about, you know, atheism. Um, it's, you know, perhaps not a belief in a, in a higher God, or higher, you know, power that you can't define and name like you can in AI. Um, but it's still certainly a belief system because you believe in this yep. technology and you believe in this way of life. 
So these two belief systems are pitted against one another. Um, and in either course, the followers don't get any sort of real freedoms. Right. And they're not free from being told what to do or what to think. Because, right. you know, the, the moment this this refugee from the collective escapes and finds Marcus and is, is rescued, Marcus begins telling him how to think. He's couching it in, you can choose to be you. I want you to be what soul created you to be. But he's yep. nevertheless telling him how to think because you need to think in terms of soul gave you this and soul gave you that. And you're free to do with these gifts what you will, but just you need to remember that soul gave them to you. So in a way, he's like offering freedom and he's he's actually not. He's actually offering yeah. just a different belief system, but couched in terms of you get to decide. But it's made very yep. clear that he doesn't. So, yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to be part of the uh, the commune, then you have to you're do what we say and then you're free. Mm -hmm. So it's not really free. And then you you it's it, but it relies more on you believing in the cause, you know. So if you believe in the cause, if you believe yeah. in the structure, you believe in the trust, then you kind of are free because you 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 believe in it. So you you know what you're told to do makes sense. Of course you'd say yes because mm -hmm. you believe in it. And right. so yeah, the kind of warm wishy washy way that uh, um, on, we're getting on the other side of things um, is more appealing. And and I think I don't know if you caught this. I only understood it when I saw the end credit stuff where they talked about it. Um, that people are drawn to, um, I keep blanking his name, Marcus. Um, Marcus. People are drawn to him because his former followers fed him mother's eyes and they're radioactive. And so the odd energy that people are feeling when next yes, to him is literally a radiation. Yeah. And that's what's making all the veins and all the stuff. And, you yes. know. Because yes. I was like, why did they oh shove the eyes in his mouth? And I'm sure they didn't think of it. They're just like, take this, choke on that, you yeah. know? But then the effect of it is like, he's got part of mother in him now. Right. And this is creating this magnetism, literally, you know. That, that's so interesting to me because one of the most, you know, fascinating things, you know, little, little tidbits that we got, I think, in these episodes were about like the voices that people were hearing. and. It, like mother and Paul and Sue discovers that nope there's actually a signal there's a concrete reason for this it can't yeah. penetrate through to where we are right now but where we were before you were hearing a signal so it's these these kinds of like things like oh you know you were hearing a signal but only apparently certain people were hearing it picking up on the frequency um, that's interesting to me like where is that coming from what does that mean you know now you're saying like yeah. things like this, like Marcus has part of mother inside him. It's like this radio, this kind of radioactive energy or this, you know, I don't know if it's radioactive, I guess, but they call it radioactive. That's the words okay. they use. It's like, okay. yeah. So yeah. So he has this energy that's like literally drawing people like, you know, his, his new partner is like, Oh, I sense. You they know, feel, I feel weird around. Yeah. Him. Yeah. So these kinds of things, these kind of like the unintended 
or side effects of technology and what this does and how this affects people. This is very interesting to me. Yeah. And, and how this, they have it lining up so well that it seems like fate. And so I'm always waiting for the moments when it's like, oh, we get the real explanation because when you look back at these things, they do have it structured in a way that's like, oh, this all seems like it's for a reason. It's all for a purpose, you know? Now they come to this place, to this atheist camp, and they're welcomed in because mother knows, you know, the, the AI that runs it. And she also took down the ship full of, um, I wrote down Mithraic. the religion. Yeah, Mithraic. You know, and then the, the voices basically led her to, you know, giving birth to this snake and like just all these pieces that seem like because then they end up finding boxes that have logos from the religious text you know and walls and the caves it's just like it really they really do sell the idea that this is faded yes and um you know is everyone just playing their role in souls uh scheme or, or are we trust. gonna just yeah what i right i don't know I, 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 I mean, I think that I'm, I'm probably projecting a bit of Westworld into that just because, you know, in that it's like literally this machine that orders everybody's lives, mm. you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's still obviously the possibility that that's something to play out here too. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I soul too. Mm -hmm. Cause we, I see so this as like an undefined about what exactly soul is. Yeah. And how many times have we seen what appears like miracles? Mm -hmm. Putting the hand in the in the thing, and then there's one person starts on fire, another person doesn't, you know, or the um, uh, the kid, the voices telling people that are very accurate things. How would anyone know this? Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I at first we thought maybe maybe the trust is soul. And this is, you know, but then, yeah, the signal's coming from someplace else. Yeah, what else is know. that? I mean, I see all these as D&D &D quests. It's like a video game lining up in my head. Okay, well, we've got, we can gain XP by gathering food, you know? Uh, and then we, so that's the menial tasks for the village. And then we can go out and hunt a monster, kill the snake. Yeah. But then there, there's this big overarching thing where, you know, which society we're going to side with. And there's this yes. signal way out, you know, we got a quest for. Yes. So it's perfectly set up to I love it. Run a <laughs> speaking of but... food, did you not every time somebody ate like a berry, were you not like people? <laughs> yes, you don't know I, I wrote a couple. Yeah, I know. I'm like, have you seen no other science? I don't know. I just reality. Like you don't just take a random right. piece of something off and of just... a tree and decide to eat it when you're not right. starving to death. Right. Nobody tests it out <laughs> at all. Like nobody takes tiny little bites. They're just like ripping it open. Chomp. Wow, every time good. I just expected somebody to just Yeah. Like I, I want the parody version. I want this being done. <laughs> it's like someone's eating it and it all oh, this is great. And all the kids just drop dead. Well, I guess yes. this show's over, you know. Oh, they all just, shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then some of it looked gross. Like elsewhere. the things they Yeah. <laughs> The like muscular kind of things, things that yeah. yeah that didn't look good at all yeah so 
Um, uh, and I just, I, I think I'm so trained by so many, you know, pop culture references and stories and, um, you know, different scenarios to trust, to not trust anything that seems like paradise. You know, I'm just, I, I just, yeah. when you get somewhere that seems right. like lush and verdant and oh, how beautiful the garden, you know, there's always poison. And I mean, yeah. I know it, it's, it harkens back obviously biblically, um, but yeah. it's, it's such a recurring theme in pop culture that I felt like I was just so trained in that, that yeah, the first time they grabbed but the fruit, I was like, ah! I think biblically that harkens back to reality. Like, well, right. Yeah. Nothing is perfect. It's just with the name of the game, like, you know, um, right. And it's just and like some... the garden is usually like the, the, the strongest collective symbol, you know? Yeah. That, right. that we recognize is just such like a, an old story that, that everybody knows whether you've, I think been part of a religion or not. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are people peasants that were ushered into someone's palace at some point. They're the only ones with us with a maintained garden and fruits that would no one could ever possibly afford or have <laughs> access to. And one of them eats one and the guy next to him learns what happens when you do that. Mm -hmm. your hands are gone <laughs> you yeah. know your tongue is out whatever it is you know like terrible thing life lesson gardens they belong to someone else i don't exactly. have access don't you know pluck the fruit man yep mm -hmm. so on um a religious topic i guess this is something we could sure. probably talk about throughout the season but the thing i always discuss or grapple with is do humans by and large need not necessarily an organized religion, but a religion? They need something that directs them, something to believe in that is greater than they are. And so if it's not a, a thing in the sky, uh, if it's not a deity from above, then it's something else. So in this case, in the show, it's the AI. It's the, it's the trust, you know, but this can be looked at anywhere in reality. It's always the, it's always the, the debate of, of Christians for sure. Or whatever is like, well, if you don't have this thing, you don't have these rules to life. If you don't feel like you're watched over, if you don't have this, something that's higher than you, then you'll, you know, in their eyes, worship false idols, but mm -hmm. whatever it may be, you know? Um, I think I saw a meme or a cartoon recently talking about how someone's laughing. Oh, how yeah, it's so silly that you know you believe in these fairy tale things from a ancient textbook or wherever. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the person is wearing like a Marvel cap and like DC everything and or like Disney everything, and it's like, well, we all have our gods, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of. So it's just like, I mean, it's a, it's a trivially trivial example or whatever, but, um, how, how do you fall on this? Like, can people just exist just on rational thought and scientific evidence or do will will humans always fall prey to needing, uh, something higher? I personally would say no, I don't think that that that's always the case because I think, I mean, we have the term atheism for a reason. Um, and I, I personally think there are many different 
kinds of atheism just because you've you've said you know i don't believe in an organized religion doesn't mean that there's one thing that you would turn to perhaps above all others i think there are a multiplicity of things that you can believe in um and and not necessarily like hold you know something like an ai or like something like you know i don't know the concept of scientific knowledge even and just say like that's the thing I think there are a multiplicity of things that you construct and weave into like your own ideology and, and feel safe and happy existing without the one thing. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to agree, you know, I think that, um, it's a good goal for humanity. I just ultimately see that so often people, fall prey to not having a purpose, you know? And so something like religion that no matter who you are, gives you purpose. Mm -hmm. You are God's creation. You are God's child. You, you know, you are, um, you have a destiny, you know, you've, you're fated to do this thing and, and he loves you no matter what happens, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so someone that, you know, especially a youth or someone young or whatever, they haven't done much of their lives yet or whatever, or maybe they fall upon hard times and all these things, mm -hmm. they don't have a purpose. And I think the alt the like one of the most important things for the function of anyone is is purpose. Now you've created purpose for yourself. Like you have a kid. So obviously now like you have ultimate purpose. Mm -hmm. Um but a lot of people don't or they don't, I mean, you know, what if they don't see it that way or whatever. They do they, they people yeah. need purpose. And so if they, if they don't have purpose from their, in their lives and they don't have purpose from a higher power, they have to seek purpose from something else. Mm -hmm. They have to find purpose because otherwise you're miserable. You will live a shallow, terrible life if you do not feel that you have purpose. Mm -hmm. So it drives people into depression. Mm -hmm. You know, people hate their jobs. I hate my job. Sucks. So they don't feel like they have purpose there. They don't feel like they're doing something important. Or you wouldn't hate your job so much because you feel you're contributing to something valuable to society. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just think it's. A, I just think I. I'm an atheist, but I feel like it's a problem. I always talk about how you know it's. Would I pose the question to people? Would the world be a better place if just like most of America was actually practicing Christians? Even though I don't think it's true or right or. Mm -hmm correct in any way um will the are the good lessons we decide to choose good enough and mm -hmm. is the the purpose given good enough to create a better society even if it's based on a lie mm -hmm. and uh i don't mean to offend any like uh devout religious people watching or anything like that yeah. perfectly i'd love for you to write in i love love talking about it so mm -hmm. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's obviously interesting for me living in a, in a household where, you know, I mean, Chris isn't obviously like, I would say super religious though. Not a Bible thumper. It, right. I mean, it's, it's a very indefinable term, you know, and everybody's level right. can be different about what they consider super religious, but you know, obviously he's, he is a, a Lutheran pastor's son and, and grew up in the religious community has been baptized and things like that. And um, I know there's there's a degree of belief there, though I've never, you know, sat down and interrogated him on, you know, tell me point by point. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but I, but it it is different for me because you know I, 
I did not grow up with organized religion, even though both of my parents are baptized. They they chose um, for a number of reasons not to baptize me. Um, some of it, I think, consciously and some of it not. And so, therefore, I didn't belong to organized religion. So I grew up kind of outside of that. I grew up, you know, with a healthy skepticism, I think, of of the concept and have kept that into adulthood. So it's it's a very interesting thing to balance in my own house. Um, yep. And that, and then that now with our child, obviously, that's a that's a big right. question about where does that go? Where does where do our belief systems go when they're op- in opposition to one another? How can we work that out? Yep. Yep. Well, I have all sorts of unsolicited advice I could give, but I, I won't. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely it's um, um, it's tricky. I mean, I know Ashley and I had talked about that before. I remember pretty heated conversation. Uh, the four of us walking mm-hmm. back from uh, Robert Street or whatever one day. Yeah. Yes, it's good. Yeah, so. I mean, it's you know, it's obviously it's, religion is something that that is personal. Um, you know, it's it's not just you know a concept. It's not just like a governing concept by which you you know intellectually live your life. It's it's a belief system. So beliefs, therefore by their, their very nature, their very connotation, their context are something you feel strongly, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. they yeah, it's, it's not something that you can often argue dispassionately about, uh, which is yeah. one of the tricky things. Of course, for me, you know, in that arena, I'm probably, even though I'm an emotional person, I'm probably the most logical I'll ever be because I don't have that I, I right. believe in what I believe in, but it's not the same structure. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Well, because it's it's inherently to, uh, I would say, to a non-believer, odd to have much that's faith-based. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of faith is literally to take something without evidence, mm-hmm. which seems so wrong. Now, we take a lot of things on faith on a daily basis, but they're not things that necessarily change our lives. And, mm -hmm. and if they were to like, if, Hey, no, you need to change the way you live your life and have faith because Mm -hmm. that's a different thing than having faith that. Yeah. But even when I think of things, I'm trying to think of an example. I'm like, well, but it's because I have past experience because I have evidence to go to support this. Well, and, and oftentimes where I find myself, you know, in the finding some footing in kind of a, a debate or a discussion or a conversation about religion um, is the fact that I actually find the idea of faith very logical. Um, okay. you know, that, that I find the idea that, you know, I am a person of faith. Okay. I have faith in a higher being or a higher purpose. I, I get that concept. I don't generally get the concept of naming it because to me, the idea of faith is that you don't know, but you believe anyway. But the idea of organized religion is saying, oh, but we know, you know, the story of God, the story of Jesus, you know, in, in terms of Christianity, of of course, in other religions, there are other names, other gods, other stories. So, so the idea to me of faith being 
something you believe in without knowing it. And then the idea of organized religion saying, oh, we know all these things. To me, that's antithetical. You can't have sure. faith in in something you don't know about if you, on the other hand, say, well, we know all about it. So that's that's kind of where I get tripped up sometimes in the idea of structured religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something but, I've never quite still, gotten past in terms of, but it's, you know. But if you say, well, I know that there's the, you know, if you phrase it in, in the in the way that, well, you're saying you know that this is God and this is Jesus and this would happen, someone should respond to saying, well, I don't know that I have, I have, but I choose to have faith. Mm-hmm. And the, so and that I mean, to me makes more sense. It's just the idea of, of, you know, um, religion is that they, is that it's named, something is named. Like to me, the, the very basis of the building block is like, how could you even know a name? You know, right. like how could, how could you say for certain, um, again, when you say somebody says like, well, I have faith that this is God or something. And my first immediate reaction is to say, you know, how do you know it's not? Allah, you know, how do you know it's not? Well, but that's just a different translation of the same. How do you know it's not Zeus and all of his 1200, you know, fellow gods and goddesses? See, but that I would argue is a little different because Zeus is a specific deity. Mm -hmm. God is the term for the omnipresent being. So Allah is just the a different languages term for an ever present omnipresent being, mm -hmm. you know? So I, yeah, I would, I would, I would get that for sure with like a Zeus or something, because that is giving a name to a God. It gets more complicated when it's, mm -hmm. when it's all encompassing, we got to shove all these yeah. gods into one. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a very interesting, you know, concept to the idea of faith and the concept of knowing and right part of that you know here obviously bringing it kind of back around to to raise my wolf <laughs> um after our, after our very interesting i mean obviously to me anyway side side mm -hmm. tangent there um is yeah it's it's you know setting up what you know these people believe are two different systems but so as the viewer kind of getting the the clue in that they're not all that different. It's just the thing you choose to put your belief into. Yep. And I appreciate a show like this that, because we're, look, we're able to look at this dispassionately because it's not anything that's from earth or whatever, you know? And so it's a great setup and, and I wish more shows were uh, competent enough to do this because whatever they want to teach you or uh, instruct or inform or make you ask questions of or whatever, they're not hitting you over the head with it. Mm -hmm. that's, it's the glory of science fiction and fantasy that you can have and make these really complicated discussions go on in your head mm -hmm. and you can do it dispassionately because you're not bound to it emotionally. Right. And uh, it, that's the kind of thing that, Hollywood really wants, they want to be able to change your mind and, you know, make you think what they think. Well, this is a much better way to do it, to have, have to, to welcome discussions and to have something that's, that's thoughtful and disconnected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say when you're talking about intellectual concepts, this is the way to go. 
I mean, you know, obviously I think some things, some stories are just simply meant to, you know, evoke sympathy, empathy, you know, um, appreciation something of the specific. things. Yeah, like, you know, um, I don't know, appreciating the relationships that you have, you know, thinking about like the fact that you're not alone. You know, I think concepts like that are, are you know, obviously very suited to a movie and something being made in the reality that we know on the earth that we know. But yeah, something like overarching like this, like when you're thinking about belief systems, be they, you know, based in logic and reason um, as like, you know, your kind of core guiding principles above all else, or, you know, a a faith in a, in a higher power and a higher being as your core, something like this, like you said, is, is perfect because you can argue it dispassionately because it's not anything literal. It's not anything yeah. real. It's not anything you're already part of or not yep. part of. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, well, I'm happy to get into that because I'm sure we'll it'll be there'll be more interesting things with, between these factions and some of that as we as we move forward. Um, is there some stuff we want to bring up in episode two at all? Or, um, I mean, we kind of like jumped between everything a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, what did I write? It was so awkward. There was a really awkward moment. Um, God, I, w- I, this is the problem with the stream of conscious, Andrea. <laughs> you just write it and there's no context. I don't yeah, know. I know. I, I've I, taken the like writing longer sentences so I can like, you know, mm-hmm. or, or writing like keywords for myself so I can remember. Um, mm-hmm. Was it the apology that the guy had no. to come take? That was very like town crier medieval, like right streets. It was very funny to me. No, it was um, something where they were talking about like uh, how I think how terrible androids are, or someone someone died, or something. It was a really yeah, it was a really shoot. I don't know. Okay. That's my fault. I I always spend too much time looking up a GIF to represent my my present feeling, <laughs> as opposed to like writing down what uh, what it was about. Oh, is was it the is it the moment in um, when father and the children are collecting things, and then guy walks by and is like, "Oh, father's like good morning," and the guy is like, "Get out of here." No. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his father's um, like, "Oh, I feel so happy and safe and warm, yeah. and every, this is everything we need." Good morning, my good neighbor, and he's like, basically, like, "F you and your you yeah know, religious child who should get the f out of here." Right. And yep. It was just like a very, it was a very like, whoa, whoopsie. Yep. Sorry, father. He had some misplaced enthusiasm. Yeah, I feel You're like right, that's though, in the uh, father's too good for these people because he is. He's the best. Yeah, I mean, he's been yeah, a constant in the show. Yeah, I was very upset when they suggested sacrificing father as bait for the snake monster. I know, right? Get out of here with that. Nuh-uh. Yep. Well, fortunately, he's leading the people to be bait. So hopefully yes. he's hopefully he's better he's off be here. Fine. Yeah. But, He's yeah. not going to smell human and like tasty, so probably. Well, yeah, which is hilarious because these people obviously don't know that this snake monster was birthed from mother. 
Right. So probably yeah. doesn't have quite the same appetites as like a random beast of the wild. Yeah. So. And what did you, I, I still feel like we need a little more explanation at some point because then mother starts lactating. Yes. I'm like, yes. And I was like, this try, is I, biology. Sorry. Wow. I know. I know. I, Cause, and then I was like sitting there trying to figure out like how that would work. Like how the, it was going to get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was very interesting. She had this like biological, clearly involuntary response. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah, and then they started talking later about the snake monster being like a baby trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. And, yep. you know, obviously it, it views Campion as its like brother, which we, the audience, sort of get clued in on, but Campion doesn't know because he's right. not aware. Yeah, he went. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it's a yeah, lot still, of um still so many unanswered questions about how this yep. is all going to work and I I'm hoping we get to some maybe not the ultimate but some big step of a payoff in the next few episodes. Yep. Yep. Um Yeah, I'm just uh looking if there's something else. Oh, violence is pain, compliance is life. I always love the I love that the the atheists almost have more mantra than the theists at this point. Um, so I mm -hmm. love that. Hatred um, is pain. Pain is hatred. That was the other one mm -hmm. that, that they spouted, which. Yep. Yeah, they're they're such like weirdly. Complex concepts boiled down into these very simple, simple statements that are like. Well, I mean, sort of, if you think of it this way, I could see where you're coming from. But I'm not really sure what you're meaning here because I have no context. It's yeah. very strange. Yep. Well, I like all the questions being asked. I mm -hmm. like the conflicts being set up and the relationships, seeing where they're going to go and how they're going to develop. And so I think it's a pretty good start to, yeah. uh, to season two. Yeah, I liked um, one last thing I want to say is I like the theme that keeps kind of recurring here in these first two episodes about um, the concept of truth and who has a right to know what, um, you know, Paul and mm. Campion are having that argument about, you know, you should forgive Sue. She didn't mean to keep things from you. And Paul's like, well, she kept all this stuff from me. And, you know, I'm glad that the voice has told me the truth. And Campion's like, well, are you better off? Like, is that right. really a good thing? So that was an interesting concept. And then I noted again, um, there was like a concept of, you know, truth and like telling somebody something. Well, and it's not like that's new because it's, I mean, it's it's red pill versus blue pill. It's, right. you know, uh, the ig ignorance is uh, bliss or whatever um, kind of thing. So, but yeah, I like it being being brought up in in more ways mm -hmm. yeah i can't well there was something else related to that you were talking about that's um yeah and i thought it had to do again uh, i think mother tried no. to keep some another something else from campion well she was gonna lie about she found the cube the artifact yes, yes. in in and to save uh to save campion from looking like a bad friend Right. But I think she was maybe going to tell 
she was talking about mother, uh, talking about father and telling him, you know, don't tell anybody about the snake monster because I'm going to kill it and it's going to be fine. Um, Campion mm-hmm. not knowing about any of this stuff. So, yeah, so there's there's a lot of idea of, like, does intent matter when telling someone the truth or keeping the truth from them? Um, yeah. But I just feel like it's going to be playing out in a lot of different dynamics. Yeah. And, and like you say, like, showing how much more emotionality uh, mother and father seem to be bringing here, yes. um, that they're falling into these pitfalls mm-hmm. um, of humanity of, like, yeah, keeping keeping secrets and judging when that's when that's appropriate or not when you think that they seem to preach earlier about you know honesty being of the utmost you know right exactly um i'll also say too that uh you mentioned the acid sea and stuff so one of the uh they showed this in the end credit thing too behind the scenes they talked that the, the acidic nature of the water comes from those whirlpools they right. go down into the core and are you know where there's the magma and the weird stuff and that's what's turning the water acidic and um i i'm interested in just the structure of this planet you know the idea of having holes that would go through the planet mm-hmm. and that the planet would still maintain a stable atmosphere and all this mm-hmm. stuff seems unlikely but maybe i'm just not filled in on the latest uh uh, (laughs) physics here astrophysics so yeah yeah i yeah i thought it was very interesting i mean it's it's certainly you know a a way to set this planet apart from earth um Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like oh look at how strange we have acid seas again it's something we sort of buy into without much explanation of like yeah like you say there's an explanation here but we're not exactly being told how that works yeah you know what i'm saying right. so mm-hmm. yeah i yep. i just had trouble a bit with the with the i felt inconsistencies of the acid sea um, oh, okay where you know they're running for the caves in the second episode and they're they're touching like part of the wave that comes up it's just it's tiny but it's like you know the first dribbles of the waves that of the tide that's coming in and they run through it and nobody's soles of their boots seem to be burned and then two seconds later the tide really comes in to get the the collective mm-hmm. guards that are following them and then just like acid you know eats them away immediately and i was just like all they needed was one shot of one per because smoking shoe. i think i just needed yep. that that's it because i yep one shot stepping in a singe because we I, I think they didn't do it because we saw that earlier that it does do does do that right but that just is- it should be a reminder that they're cutting this really close because yes. their boots are getting singed yes so it, the danger increases so I, for yeah. us you know, on both fronts and it, and it just provides that extra level of consistency. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, (laughs) that's our very, uh, theological discussion of (laughs) raised by wolves season two, episode one and two. Mm -hmm. Um, hope everybody enjoyed that. If you do make sure you subscribe and like, and share everywhere that you can. Um, 
if you don't, you know, if you're like, I'm a, I'm in school, I'm in the ministry, you know, and you're really upset by what's been said here, that's fine. Go ahead and, and write in. Certainly um, welcome to discuss all kinds of things like that. And we appreciate the viewership. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. So go ahead and give us a like and follow there. Um, podcast directories. We're on um, all kinds of podcast directories. Take your pick. We're on a lot of them. So um, please leave a review there if you can. Um, Spotify gives you the ability to watch video of us now as well on there. So if you use that platform, but uh, take your pick. And we're weekly podcasts. Thank you to Killing the Flower for our theme song. I think I forgot to thank them last week. What a jerk. So Killing Your the Flower, you can find, <laughs> I know, you can find them on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify. So go ahead and give them a listen and check out my new like little morning, sh occasional morning show um, where I talk about the latest anime news, I can take a little bit of a load off of things from this show that maybe you want to bring up, but they're not big discussion pieces or something like that. Um, I'll give manga recommendations and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. And if Andrea watches something that we really want to talk about, maybe we talk about on there or have a couple guests here and there or whatever. So mm -hmm. just subscribe to find out when that's happening. Um, that's about it. Popcast on the rocks, episode 94 in the can. Thank you very much, Andrea. Of course. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>